Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Ah, I'll be there for you. Much like my friend, I think most people would say IP frequently is always there for you. Certainly Bon Jovi would. We're huge in New Jersey. Yeah, and he is also a user of IPedia. He doesn't endorse it, um, but he uses it just as much as he uses um, those Lucky Strike cigarettes. Yes, I think that's probably an accurate statement. Yeah, well, we're excited to have everyone here on IP Frequently. IP Frequently, the number one business podcast in the world. Well, Brad, yeah. big week. We start with Newsreel, and I know that you have been chomping at the bid talk about this. Uh, the Megxit uh uh, has hit a crescendo, so to speak. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle spoke out about leaving the royal family, leaving Prince Charles, the gorgeous Camilla Parker Bowles, uh, the Queen, um, and Prince Philip, uh, and you know everything with the racism and the being you know sort of pushed aside and the baby not being made a prince. Um, it, it's got the world talking, Brad. And obviously, that's uh, our focus here on Newsreel. What say you about uh, about this? Well, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast for five minutes, you know I didn't watch the interview. Um, it's just not my thing. But but I can tell you, regardless of what happened there, Harry's a dick. Okay, I mean, fine. Look, you married this gal. If you didn't know what you were getting yourself into, that's on you. And if you did know what you were getting yourself into, well, then that's also on you. But you are a prince in a country, in a nation where that is a big deal, right? And you were you know, treated to all of the very best that life could offer because of that. And one would like to think that you would have some sense of responsibility for that. I mean, your brother seems to be a hell of a guy and, you know, he's doing his part and you should be doing yours, right? And so if you chose Meghan Markle to marry and you had any expectation that the outcome of that was going to be that you were going to have to walk away from the royal family, that's fine, right? But you do it like a gentleman, right? You take that responsibility, you don't pawn it off on every, anyone else and you tell your wife, hey, we could do this but we are not going to be assholes on our way out the door. We're not going to cast aspersions. We're not going to bring down an entire 
institution that has the lasted house, as the house long, of Windsor, the house of Windsor yeah, that has lasted that long. And, you know, certainly has, is not, has not been without, uh, you know, ma- making mistakes and being open to criticism. That's true of everyone, but come on, bud. I mean, for you to get on that show, let, and, and, and let your family and through your family, effectively the UK be, you know, be smirched like that. I, I mean, again, you're just a dick. And you deserve yeah. all of the criticism that's coming your way. I mean, and the, well, the, I kind of have a counter view of this. I mean, first of all, they're having to live off his inheritance from his mother. Okay. So that's not easy, right? That's not easy, Brad. Yeah. Um, you know, they bought that $15 million Santa Barbara estate. Um, they, I mean, they, they probably only have 20, 25 million in the bank. That's it. Okay. That's it. So um, for you to just say willy nilly, you know, I mean, how are they supposed to survive? Well, you make a good point. Yeah. I mean, you know, certainly, uh, you know, 25 million is, is, you know, unless you're very careful, you know, you, that's going to run out quickly. This isn't, Rick, that up. this isn't Rick Flair. We're talking about American royalty, by the way, um, who, who, we do, who we do plan to have on the podcast soon. If Jared will get his act together, but uh but these two, I, 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 I was being somewhat facetious. These two are insufferable. And um, I, I can't even imagine. Um, I mean, she seems horrific, right? She seems just oh, yeah. horrific. And the lies to, to actually say she didn't know who. I mean, I saw some of the interview. And actually, you know, Oprah, Oprah is fantastic. I mean, Oprah, I think she made like $25 million off this interview, just selling the rights to different networks. Um, so Oprah comes across as Oprah always does just top notch. Um, but Markle is horrific, clearly a liar um, saying she didn't know who the Prince was. And, and she was stunned that, you know, the, he, he was part of the Royal family and all this stuff about the, I mean, that's all bullshit. We all know that. Um, but you're right. They're biting the hand that, that feeds them. And it's not as if these two are very talented. I mean, she was on saved by the bell or something and he was um, he's a Prince, right? Yeah. I mean, it, again, uh, everything has literally just been handed to him through the goodwill of the British people and their affection for the Royal family. And so what he does is just spit in everyone's face. So he can suck it. Yeah. And there, and there it is. And that's where we'll leave it. Um, He can suck it. Uh, Next, Brad, the COVID, the big COVID relief bill is, um, is, is passed. Um, It's been signed by president Biden. Um, and uh, the $400 checks are on the way. So uh, worry not, Kimosabi. Can I say that? I think you can. Um, next, Brad, um, the Biden's dog bit a, uh, a staffer at the White House, and that dog has been asked to leave and permanently uh, kicked out of the White House. I'm not sure what a good word would be for that, but I. I guess will be permanently displaced. Is that uh, well, you know I, not allowed to return? Not allowed to return. Banned or barred. Unfortunately, we can't use those words because of our contractual deal with Zemo. We can only use those words in a particular segment of the show. Oh well, that does put us in something of a vocabulary-based bind, my friend. Some would say hot water. Others would say beautiful, refreshing malt beverage. So they've revoked the dog's White House pass. Correct. That's unfortunate. It is what it is. Who and did the fun- dog bite? I mean, maybe the, the person deserved it. 
There's a lot of a-holes on that staff. Could have been Meghan Markle, right? But probably not. Well, that, well, then, you know, you should make a statue of the dog if that's true. And then we just have to tear it down. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, somebody would eventually, of course, but. Someday, maybe, cat, maybe when the cats take over. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. They're pulling all the dog statues down. Rin Tin uh, Tin, et cetera. Yeah. Lassie. Yeah. Benji. Uh, finally, Brad, uh, newsreel to wrap it up. Uh, we have like four more accusers of Governor Cuomo. Now he's <laughs> reaching under dresses and you know, pulling down panties. Uh, it, it seems like we have a pattern here, Brad. We have a pattern of inappropriate conduct by the governor of New York. Well, I mean, starting off, look, all of this inappropriate sexual conduct, he should be held accountable for. Of course, raise your hand if you're surprised. I mean, if you've seen that guy on TV for two minutes, you already know who he is. But, you know, shouldn't we still have the condemning thousands of people to death by putting COVID positive folks in nursing homes? Shouldn't that still be near the top of the list of misconduct? I mean, I, I would happily choke the shit out of the guy if he were to try and put his hand up any of my daughter's dresses. So I'm not making, you know, I'm not trying to minimize that at all, but he's also responsible for thousands of deaths. I think we should, you know, probably bear that in mind. And, and given that that is near the top of the list, it's time for him to go, but he won't do it. He doesn't have the class to do it. So he won't. He doesn't have the class of the Biden's dog. No, in fact, that dog, if it's kicked out of the White House, I imagine will make a beeline for New York and bite Cuomo. Yeah, there you go. That's, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. have a very strong and eight sense of justice, my friend, as you know. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. They also lead with their chin like you did when you boxed in the Navy. Well, on occasion, but I mean, you know. You won your share. my hands up. Fair share of fights. Uh, so, Brad, next is the award-winning segment, Time Machine. Where to today, my friend? Well, Brad, today you're going back to December of 1936. You're going to go across the pond, mm -hmm. and Edward VIII is deciding whether or not to abdicate the throne. Ah. Okay, you're al fresco again, uh, but I'm assuming you can pull down one of their drapes or tapestries. Um uh, but Edward is obviously in love with uh, an American divorcee whose mm -hmm. name I believe was Trixie. And, um, you know, obviously he's about to abdicate the throne and turn the throne over to his brother, who was the stuttering, you know, king. And then he dies and then he's Elizabeth's father. And then all right. this stuff. You've got two Zimas, my friend, not four, two, two Zimas going back in time, al fresco, tapestries, Edward VIII, Trixie, lots of stuff going on. You know, about this whole Meghan Markle thing, right? You know about it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, you are you have the benefit of all of your knowledge through today, including the uh, Australian Open winner of 2021, right? So you can place a bet on that if you wanted to. What do you do? Well, you know, again, I, I think you're right. I think I can, you know, in a palace of that size with the tapestries and the various and sundry other things, tablecloths, bed sheets, what have you, I'm going to be able to fashion myself a toga. So I, I, I got to take care of that first, because as you're well aware, in the 1930s, in the palace, you, you just can't march around in your birthday suit. No one would listen to you. So I get myself into you know, some form of toga. I take the two Zimas. I sit down with Edward VIII. And first of all, I wish him 
all the best, right? Because as a result of his abdication for Trixie or, or whatever her name may be, um, you wind up with the the history up through today, which, you know, unfortunately we're in a little bit of a rut here with uh, uh, the ginger there, Harry, and uh, his lovely bride. So that, that ain't great. But, you know, what Queen Elizabeth was able to do uh, all through her time on the throne with Prince Philip, all the ups and downs, primarily World War II, you don't want to potentially upset that, right? So what I do, again, making sure that I'm, you know, presentable, because at that point in time, the to-be Queen Elizabeth is only 10 years old, so you don't, you know, you don't want to startle her, is I, I give the Zimas to Edward VIII, wish him the best, send him on his way. But then even at the age of 10, you get the strong sense that Elizabeth would have been able to, you know, sort of pick up what you were putting down. Yeah. And so I tell her what's going to happen. And right? keep and in mind at this point, you are al fresco, but no, you've no, no, also no. I'm in a I'm in a toga at this point. Tapestry. We've already established that. But or, you've or also but you've also just blown the king's mind with the greatest drink he's ever had. And Elizabeth has witnessed that, right? Which is what gives me credibility, right? I mean, Correct. when I say I'm from the future, I mean no one's gonna believe that from a toga wearing you know, Yankee. Um, but I'm going to tell her, look, going to be lots of ups and downs here. Don't have time to go through it all. You do you, you're going to do an exceptional job. But when your grandson, Harry waltzes in and, and expresses his first vague hint of an interest in an American actress by the name of Meghan Markle, you club him over the head with the nearest heavy object. And then you have him transported to the hospital. And with what, any luck at all, when he wakes up, he's not going to remember any of that. He's not going to remember Megan. He's not going to remember the conversation. You can just say, geez, I don't know what happened. You slipped and fell. Whatever it takes, you got to get Megan Markle out of your world. That's what I would do. Well, yet another um, uh, historical moment improved upon. That's all I can say. Uh, Brad, IP frequently brought to you by IPDIPDIA, IPDIA, the automation of innovation, taking care of your hot tub and patent needs since 1987. RIP Corner, Brad. Uh, tonight we have a couple of additions. The great Roger Mudd, the great television um, anchor, newsman. Actually, when there were newsmen, there are no more newsmen, of yeah. course, Not today. But actually, actually, the guy that ended Ted Kennedy's political career, presidential career anyway, in 1980, when he asked him why he wanted to be president, Ted Kennedy started talking about natural resources. <laughs> Again, raise your hand if you're surprised, but RIP Roger Mudd. Certainly we appreciate him doing that. Can you imagine if Ted Kennedy had been president? Well, he would have been crushed by Reagan, but uh, let, well, let's be real. Yeah. And then and then the late, great Irv Cross uh, from the NFL Today, former NFL player, I think Hall of Famer, um, Part of the original dream team of Brent Musburger, Irv Cross, Phyllis George, and Jimmy the Greek, all of whom are dead. Um, but the, the the really the first pregame show uh, in the history of sports that led to so many others. But uh, loved Irv Cross, loved uh, what he did for uh, for football. But next, uh, Brad, we can say those magical words, barter band, the Bronze Stevie Award winning uh, segment that everyone is waiting for. Brad, barter band, the monarchy, the crown. Should it be barter band? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I would not bar or ban that. I mean, obviously, um, 
whatever monarchy you may be referring to. I'm certain in this case, we're talking about the British monarchy, but that's, you know, that's up to the people of that nation. I would never take away a monarchy uh, from a people who still find value in it, still find, you know, a little bit of a national pride anchor in it. So I do not think that the monarchy in general should be barred or banned. I do think that some members of the royal household should be barred and then banned. We're in, we're in alignment there, my friend. Uh, next, uh, this week in innovation, um, several items here to talk about, uh, all of which I think are on equal levels in terms of importance. Uh, the first one is the telephone uh, was invented uh, in uh, early March in 1876. Um, both the hmm. telephone and then the telephone patent was granted. And there's a great story about that that we'll have to uh, we'll have to uh, get to one day. But to the telephone, in 1986, the L- the NFL adopted instant replay and then quickly got rid of it, uh, and then adopted it again about 10 years later. And then Yahoo was launched at this time in 1995. Brad, what do you think? I didn't realize that that uh, it was a, a a late winter, early spring type of business. Yeah, uh, as, exactly. As most folks know who's done, who've done their research, we are a fall business. We, we became a business in November, and most businesses founded in the fall tend to be the ones you want to look to for leadership, for innovation, et cetera. So it doesn't surprise me that Yahoo would have been a spring business. Uh, exactly, exactly. And that's no comment on the telephone? Well, I like the telephone. I mean, you, nobody uses one anymore, right? I mean, it's unfortunate. You and I grew up with the phone hanging on the wall, the little coiled cord that would, you know, you'd pull it too taut and then it would snap back all funny and it would get twisted up and you know, then you have to buy a new cord and you never had any idea who was calling you. And if you didn't get to the phone, there was no answering machine. So you wouldn't know who called and you missed the call. And yeah, life was just different. Uh, next, Brad, is Relationship and Management Corner. Uh, we've combined the two this week, and uh, we have several questions, uh, all relating to uh, what you can learn uh, in terms of management or in terms of managing your relationship from the uh, British monarchy. So, Brad, uh, what can we uh, take away from the British monarchy that we can then use to apply to our business skill sets or our relationships? Well, I think you learn the same lesson about both, right? Is that, you know, pick your partners carefully. That is as true in business as it is in marriage. In fact, many have drawn the analogy of, you know, when you start a business with someone, you are effectively marrying them. Uh, certainly that's worked out well in, in your, in my case, uh, not in, not in all obviously. And, you know, Harry has just shown his ass like a Macy's day parade float, both personally and professionally. And not only his selection of Meghan Markle as a spouse, but then to go into the business of selling their story together, uh, huge mistake that all began with just an incredibly, I mean, if you want to frame it positively, naive or idiotic decision on his part to select Megan as his, uh, as his spouse and eventual business partner. Brad, we have to get to our final segment. Uh, we're in the final four of presidential poll mm. position. 
That's right. Okay? These are exciting times. These are the things that legends are made of and where legends are made. We're going at it today. Uh, William Henry Harrison, the horse with no name uh, mm-hmm. against George Washington's Magnolia. You got to get yourself focused on the fact that this is a horse race between a horse that terrifies people and a horse named after a flower. Now, I know that we said last time that the flower thing might have helped in the initial rounds because yeah, it helps. Because I brought that up. I voted against Magnolia in the last round, and I was you did. rebuked when I made the argument you're about to make. Well, I, I'm just saying I don't think that – I think while that argument gets you out of the early rounds, I'm not sure it gets you out of these later rounds. Well, let's see. Before you start opining on this, let's give you, can we give you a little more? Because they're our crack team, and Jared has led them, and I'm, I'm happy to say we've got um, some good feedback, has come up with new informational nuggets about these two horses. So the horse with no name uh, was a magnificent white charger. Magnificent mm. white charger. There have been some depictions of him as old whitey, but again, we know that that's uh, incorrect because that was Zachary Taylor's horse. Um, so he was a white horse, but not old Whitey. And he actually dispatched uh, of old Whitey in the in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. And again, to reiterate, he terrified John Quincy Adams, which was, again, not easy to do. Easy right. To do. He was unrattleable. Yes. Um, but Magnolia was a chestnut arabian stallion and and remember in the lower bracket we've got old bob against carcaticus um, yeah so we're where correct so uh that's next week again we're going to work on our pronunciations and, and try to get that right but uh brad what say you about william henry harrison and the horse with no name and george washington and magnolia I, buddy, this really is, you know, no pun intended, a horse race here. Right? We've got no, the terrifying horse, a white charger, not to be confused with a Los Angeles charger, a white charger versus a horse that was 16 hands high. Now, since we don't know the size of the hand, I mean, it, it could well have been a miniature horse. Could be a giant know, horse. Could be Andre the Giant's impressive. hands. Yeah, that's true. If it was Andre horse. the Giant's hands, I'm sure – Old George needed, you know, a ladder to get up there. And if that were true, then the stride alone would put the no-name horse, you know, well in arrears. And so, I, buddy, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm not really sure which direction to go here. I mean, I, I am right now, if you put it on a scale, I think it's even, um, especially when you get into the Bitcoin, right? Because that is prescient, mm-hmm. prescient. Um, but I keep coming back to the fact that this horse terrified John Quincy Adams, who was mm-hmm. uh, 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 our fifth president, who was actually our sixth president, who was um, uh, also went back to the House, who argued the Amistad case. Um, so again, I, 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 am, I, I go back to that. And I think the intimidation factor is brought to bear here. And I, I, I think the horse with no name goes through to the finals and I don't think it's close. Yeah. So I guess that's it. So it does not have to go to the tie break. Then we're not going to be talking to Jared about this one. Correct. No, I think you and I are both in agreement that William Henry Harrison's horse, the horse with no name 
the fierce, fear-inspiring horse uh, is uh, going to make it through to the finals. And I will, I will say, some people say that William Henry Harrison was the greatest president of all time because he's sort of the Seinfeld, right? President, he did nothing because he died. Well, I mean, I guess if I guess if that's your your standard, you know, who is able to assume the presidency and do nothing with it, then uh, yeah, I mean, Harrison's got to be near the top of your list. Yeah, or at the top. And then he was followed up by John Tyler, who literally still has grandkids running around the earth today. God bless him. Yeah. Well, there it is, Brad. So uh, the horse with no name goes through to the final. We'll have to see what uh, happens next week with old Bob and Carcaticus. But um, all those people that made their bets, they can now go to the ticket window and collect. Uh, and uh, I think our We're work not. is done here, my friend. I think our work is done. Another good week, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, it was, as always, a pleasure to chat with you. And I look forward to doing it again in absolutely no more than one week here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>